great to see you folks here tonight. And uh, along with Brother Merrill, we welcome you uh, to Wednesday night Bible study. And we certainly thank you uh, for coming tonight. I preached to you this past Sunday morning, used a scripture setting where uh, Elisha told his servant, there's more that be with us than be with him. Uh, they're launching uh, something new for uh, our young people upstairs tonight. And uh, it's called M90. It's uh, to memorize 90 verses of scripture over a certain period of time. And I'm excited about that. But they're serving pizza. So I think there's more that be with them up there tonight than be with us down here. So, uh, but anyway, we're excited about that. Uh, great to see you. Appreciate you being here so very much. And uh, we're certainly happy to have Chris and Tiffany here with us tonight. We're here Sunday morning, and we're glad they're back here with us tonight. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, all the rest of you Graysite regulars, Brother Bradley, great to see you. And uh, I only called on him because he was talking during church, so I interrupted. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, we're, uh, <laughs> but we're uh, happy to see all of you here tonight, and thank you so very much for coming. Let me make you some announcements quickly before we get into our Bible study. I want you to remember this coming Sunday morning. It's going to be a fantastic day at Grace. Uh, we're going to be highlighting our Sunday school department Sunday morning, and uh, we're going to be hearing, I believe, from about four of our Sunday school classes. And um, uh, we're going to have a three-year-old up here singing a solo you'll not want to miss. And uh, they're going to be quoting scriptures. And to give you an idea of what they're learning in Sunday school. I'm excited about it. I can't hardly wait. And uh, so we're going to invite you to ask, uh, invite people uh, to come, ask them to come to be in church with you. And uh, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, cousins, anybody, your neighbors, your friends, your enemies, your in-laws, your outlaws, just invite everybody you can Sunday. And uh, it's going to be a great day. I think even Quackius may show up Sunday so the kids... We'll be excited about that, and there may be a couple of adults here tonight that might be excited about Quackius as well. And uh, we'll be making a very special announcement about something uh, Sunday morning you don't want to miss. So it's going to be a great time. Also, Sister Christie passed out um, sheets of paper. Uh, it's a personal information form, and uh, we're asking each adult to fill one out, not just one per family, but one per adult. And uh, we're building a data bank of information, and uh, this information will not be uh, released or discussed with anyone else. It is just for church office use only. So if you would fill that out, uh, if you did not get one, see Sister Christy, and uh, she'll be happy to give it to you. Uh, I, I do know that a lot of them was turned in right after Sunday school. You know what that means? I mean, y'all filled it out during Sunday school. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, uh, and if you've already filled it out, thank you for that. We appreciate it so very much. And then also March the 5th, we're having a work day here at the church. Anyone that can come and help us March the 5th, uh, we would definitely appreciate that. And then March the 13th on Sunday morning after church, um, Brother Toby and Sister Donna are serving a spaghetti dinner. It's only $5, and there's a price break for kids. Uh, I don't have that in front of me, but it's, it's going to be even real inexpensive for your kids to eat. Now, most everybody 
after church goes out to a restaurant to eat. The reason I know that is because I see a lot of you when I go to a restaurant to eat after church. But anyway, um, so in, instead of doing that on March the 13th, why don't you consider having dinner right here at the church? It's going to be a wonderful meal, a spaghetti dinner with salad, dessert, uh, garlic bread, iced tea, what have you. And uh, so it'll be, it'll be a good time, good time of fellowship. Uh, the first 50 can sit in classroom one. Any number after that, I think if the weather's permitting, we're going to have places set up outside or you're welcome to take it home with you. Uh, so remember that. Help us with this. The proceeds go to uh, our youth department, and we're excited about that. Also, March the 13th, all of you in leadership, remember we're having leadership training, and uh, we continue to announce women's conference uh, for our ladies in Tioga, April 7 and 8, and also men's conference in Tioga, May six through seven so uh, please make plans to go it will be a blessing to you to your family to your marriage to church to the kingdom and uh, if you can possibly go it would be a great blessing to you thank the lord i want to begin a series tonight um, those of you that may not be familiar uh, with our church yet if you're newer here um, i love to teach in series um, I have found through the years that uh, just one night don't do one subject a whole lot of good, in my opinion. Uh, now, there are some people that can talk a whole lot faster than I can, and they could probably teach a whole series in one Wednesday night, but I don't know how much you'd get out of it. I have a niece that literally talks so fast I can't understand. I can't hear as fast as she talks. And uh, I've told her several times, man, if I could preach as fast as you talk, I could preach a 30-minute sermon in five minutes. Man, our church would love it. But, um, but anyway, but I uh, love to teach in series. And uh, uh, I will tell you, when I jumpstart this series that we're going to begin tonight, uh, it'll take you probably a little, maybe one Wednesday night or two to get on a wavelength with me. But I want to teach to, uh, tonight on what I consider to be one of the probably top five most important uh, subjects that we need to know, that we need to live, that we need to manifest, and that is Christian character. Everybody say Christian character. And I'm going to be real candid here tonight. I have a lot of respect, a lot of respect and a lot, lot of regard for the church environment that I grew up in. And... Uh, but the, 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 the majority of it that I, that I remember impacting me was made up primarily of two components. Number one was a new birth experience. Uh, you're born again, baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and so on. And then we were taught holiness, uh, how to live a holiness lifestyle. It seemed like those were the two key things that I remember the most about. Now, again, I reiterate, I have a lot of respect and a lot of regard for uh, the church environment that I grew up in. Um, but I don't remember hearing a lot about Christian character. And um, I've taught a series on holiness, just finished that uh, last Wednesday night. And uh, that has to do with our relationship with God and so on. Very generically, it has to do with our relationship with God. But Christian character has to do with not only our relationship with ourselves, but also with others. Christian character is important for your relationship with yourself, 
that's also important for your relationship with others. I will teach tonight that Christian character is also something that we manifest towards God. But um, I prefer to say that holiness and sanctification is something we do unto the Lord. Christian character is something we do as a byproduct of God being on the inside of us. And that's how we live toward one another and also ourselves. So I want to begin this series on Christian character tonight talking about my subject tonight is character, the making of a believer. Character, the making of a believer. Let me read from Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible said, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. I want you to notice that. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, not just on Sunday and not just on Wednesday night, but you affirm these things constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. For these things are good and profitable unto men, something we manifest toward one another. Character is defined as the complex of mental and ethical traits. Marking and often, often individualizing a person or a group. So in essence, character is who you are. It's the manifestation. Listen very carefully. I want, I want you to understand uh, our foundation of this Bible study series. Let me, let me start over uh, with the definition of character. It is the, the complex of mental and ethical traits marking and oftentimes individualizing a person or a group. So in essence, character is who you are. It is the manifestation. Character is the manifestation of the influences you have allowed into your life. Character is the manifestation of the influences you have allowed in your life. One man said one time, our character is what we do uh, when we think no one is looking. Proverbs 23, 7 states, For as he, a man, thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our character is exemplified in how we treat ourselves. You listen. Christian character is exemplified in how we treat ourselves. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. It's exemplified in how we treat each other. And our Christian character is also exemplified as how we treat God. So I want you to understand that. Uh, our character is exemplified in how we treat ourselves, how we treat each other, and how we treat God. First of all, a man should treat himself with good character. Should treat yourself as good, with good character. What did Jesus say in one of the Gospels when he said, Love thy neighbor as who? Thyself. So if you don't love yourself, it's going to be really hard to think well of others. Your character is manifested first and foremost in how you treat yourself. Um... Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he said, What? Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, 
which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's or which belongs to God. So we should treat ourselves with good character. And then the Bible teaches that a person is to treat others according to good character or based on good character. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 30 and 31, I'll just read it as we know as the golden rule, to do unto others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then thirdly, as we mentioned, a person is to treat God according to good character. In Deuteronomy 6, 5, Moses said to the children of Israel, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So character is absolutely a necessity uh, about us that deserves our attention, particularly if you want to be a successful Christian. I know people, I've met people, I've met them all the time that struggle in their relationship with God because they've never learned how to develop good character. It will tear down your witness as a Christian if you do not know how to manifest good character. Again, in our scripture text in Titus 3.8, he said to affirm these things constantly. It's all the time uh, that you do that. So let me spend a moment here tonight, and I'm going to try to hurry because there's other things I want to talk about, but let's talk about the development of character, the development of character. It must first be understood that character is different from values. Character is different from values. Values are things that are taught, and they, values are taught for the purpose of influencing a person's conduct. Character, on the other hand, is a person's conduct. So the idea is that when you are taught good values, it's going to lead to good character, which leads on to future good values, which will lead on to future good character. Character development, I would to God that everybody could, could absorb and understand the gravity of these things. Character development begins in, in a human at birth begins at birth, and it is a process that will continue throughout our life. There's many factors, there's many people, there's many experiences that will affect and have impact on our character development. First and foremost, in our influences on character is family. Everybody say family. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 and 7, Moses again said, And these words which I command this, thee this day, shall be in thine heart. Now let me stop right here and say that parents, whether you mean to or not, whether you are deliberate in this or not, you are going to teach your children what's in your heart. You will teach what's in your heart. Now, what's important to understand here is what is in your heart that you're going to be teaching. So Moses said, Thou shalt teach them diligently the words which I command thee this day, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So if the word of God is in your heart, then you're going to teach your children the word of God. Shall I dare say the reciprocal of that is true? 
that if the Word of God is not in your heart, your children won't ever hear it from you. That's why it's important the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. But it's not only for our own self-spiritual preservation, but it's also to influence our children. He said, Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when I walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and so on. The foundation of the family. The foundation of the family in Scripture is of great importance. God ordained that men and women want to emphasize that men and women should marry, reproduce, and build strong families. The family is the first structured relationship that a child enters into. And from their family, from that child's family, they will develop aspects of character that cannot be adequately developed elsewhere. Listen to Pastor very carefully. Your children will learn from you, mom and dad, on respect for a spouse. They will learn sibling relationships. They will learn about authority. They will learn about submission. These are tremendous uh, uh, impacts on character uh, character development. And parents must understand that they have have the continual, constant, uh, consistent influence on their children that no one else has and you're the only one that can teach them these things. So family is the first and greatest source of influence on a child. And then as that child grows up, society becomes an influence. And dear God, the society we live in today, I'm going to tell you straight up, and all of you know this, but it's against probably 99% of what you and I are trying to do and believe and so on here. Everybody say amen. The world we live in, it has a, is making a daily influence upon our character. The social standards and practices of behavior not only mold our character, but they also challenge our character. The Bible is full of illustration of people's lives that were greatly affected by the society around them. Lot, after separating from Abraham, made a decision to settle in a place that will ultimately influence his and his daughter's character. Sodom made an impact on Lot to the point that his daughters got him drunk after the the, the destruction of Sodom and they became uh, uh, impregnated by him. Israel, during Egyptian bondage, allowed themselves to be influenced by the pagan practices of that society. I find it interesting that they wasn't uh, delivered from Egypt hardly any time until they had built a golden calf and was dancing around it. That was an influence that came from Egyptian practice, a part of the society that they had been in. Uh, During Paul's day, the church in Rome was struggling with uh, developing Christian character while living in one of the most heathenistic societies that's ever been known to man. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what society people have grown up in in the Word of God or since the Word of God has been written. As long as you maintain an intimate relationship with God, you can manifest sterling character. So can your family. So can your spouse. It doesn't matter what the society is around you is like as long as you maintain your relationship with God and everyone say amen. So it's why the Bible teaches, Jesus taught in John 17, that you are in the world but not of the world. We are admonished in 1 John chapter 2 to love not the world, neither things that are in the world. 
For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The reason for that is because we can be so impacted by our society that it can hinder and sometimes even cause our relationship with God to terminate. The third huge influence on you and I as families, uh, particularly in reference to our children, is education. Everybody say education. We live in an educated society. I think sometimes much learning has made our society mad. (laughs) The educational system of our day does so much more than just teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. There's an undertow, there's an underlying system going on in our world today, and if you don't know that, if you don't believe that, I dare say you have your head in the sand. I remember when creation was taught in school. I I was never taught evolution when I was in school. But then I remembered when our school system nationwide transitioned into teaching creation and evolution side by side, and then kids could make their own choice. But now it's just strictly evolution because it's creation's a biblical concept and you can't teach Bible in school. So now it's, it's just strictly evolution. And when you hear uh, documentaries and, and things, I, I'm, I'm very enthralled with, with space. A lot of you know that. Uh, I enjoy studying it. I, I'm just I'm mesmerized by it. And uh, but any material that you you read or even watch, they'll always say how it evolved. It was a big bang, and, and it evolved, and all these creatures that evolved from different things. You, you never hear creation anymore. I want to tell you, folks, if if your children do not hear the biblical presentation of creation at home, they're not going to hear it at school. And your kids will grow up believing in evolution and here you are believing in creation and one day Brother Murphy preaches on how God created heaven and the earth and they don't have a clue what we're talking about. That's why it's important that we understand that. Notice that during the average school year, a student student spends about 37 and a half hours a week in a classroom setting. So teachers have your kids for almost 38 hours a week in a classroom setting and this is far more... That they will, that your children will ever spend in meaningful conversation or activity at home. Yes, it will. Uh, it's far more than they will spend at church. It's far more than they will be involved in a church activity. And for the vast majority of them, more time than they spend working. So on a regular basis, students are bombarded with humanistic uh, teaching. These teachings and the values they promote have a profound impact on a young person's character. I'm here to say tonight as strenuously as I can that it is necessary, that it is a must that moms and dads take time, make time, and teach your kids what thus saith the Word of God. You cannot assume that they're going to grow up knowing it. And then I really want to highlight tonight uh, another source of impact when it comes to the development of Christian character, is friendships. It's oftentimes been said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Boy, that is a true statement because we are impacted and we're influenced by our friendships. So show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But it could be restated as this, show me the character of your friends and I will show you what your character will one day be. They will rub off on you. They will influence you. I hear it all the time that uh, 
Brother Murphy, so-and-so that I work with, they just keep chipping away at the things that I believe, and you know, more and more I'm starting to see it their way. I hear these things. I'm appalled by it. Uh, but birds of a feather have a tendency to flock together, and if you're weak in faith or if you're bitter, if you're angry, if you're crossways with God, as I say oftentimes, then your friends in the workplace, in the neighborhood, and so on, they'll recognize that, and whether they mean to or not, they'll start chipping away at your faith and confidence in God, and pretty soon you're completely influenced and swept away by them. It's important that we understand the influence of friendships. Everybody say amen. Friendships are a necessary part of life. I just had a long conversation with somebody here a while back, just several weeks ago, about friends. You need friends. Peer groups are developed as we grow and we begin to gravitate towards those types of people that we share common ground with. But we, all, we must always be careful that our friends are true friends. Samson fell prey to the false friendship of Delilah. Ahithophel was a false friend to King David. Judas, whom Jesus called friend, ultimately betrayed him. Somebody said one time, Listen carefully. When you choose your friends, don't be shortchanged by choosing personality over character. And then finally, the fifth source of influence that helps impact and develop our character is the church. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. Along with marriage, along with the home, the church is a divine institution, something founded and established by God Himself. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. It is obvious that from this verse, with its diversity of ministries, that God was intended for the church to have an influence in character development in the lives of people. And from these offices that he mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 that I just read, from these offices are taught good character traits such as compassion and mercy and generosity and faithfulness and a myriad of others. Paul said to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 2 verse 19 through 22, he said, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also builded together for, the, for an habitation of God through the Spirit. It's, it's, it's significant to notice the words grows and build it. Both are verbs which denote action, and in this case, the action of becoming part of the habitation of God. Another way to state this would be developing into a temple of the Lord in whom you're becoming a place for God to dwell. It's the development of Christian character. Let me mention one more influence, uh, something that has influence on our life uh, for uh, character development and that's life itself life with all of its experiences with all of its trials, joys and sorrows struggles and victories life is the ultimate character builder we have whether we have a good family regardless of our social past 
regardless of where we have friends or not, regardless of where we're educated or not, regardless of where we're born, the children of a saint or a sinner, everybody lives life. And it's life that teaches us more about ourselves than we realize. And every day we develop and we test our character by the countless things that comes our way and the opportunity to help or ignore, to be honest or to steal, to scream in frustration or to be long-suffering, to add fuel to the fire or to extinguish it. All of these things has to do with our character. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, or excuse me, chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said, but thou hast fully known, he wrote to Timothy, I want you to notice this, he said, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, to Timothy he said, thou hast fully known my manner of life, purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, in all that we live, godly in Christ Jesus, shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I find it interesting that Paul stressed who he was and his relationship with Timothy. He knew he had a lot of influence. He knew he had a lot of impact on Timothy. But he also understood that Timothy knew his life story. He knew his doctrine. Timothy knew Paul's manner of life. He knew his purpose. He knew his faith, his long-suffering, his charity, his patience, his persecution, his afflictions. He also knew that God delivered him out of every one of those things. And he concludes this discourse by telling Timothy, Continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. I want to say to all of us tonight that we can all learn from each other. And I stress tonight that I believe all of us should have a Christian mentor in our life, somebody that's been tried and been proven true, somebody that can have impact in our life, somebody that can have influence in our life. But, 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 but above all of that, I believe all of us here tonight have been around God long enough to know that our lifestyle has been tried and proved and it's been through the fire and it's been fed to lions and it's been through a lot of troublesome times and it still remains powerful, it's still current, it's still effective, it still changes people's lives, it still works in people's lives and we can't afford now to let society and let life and let education and all these things begin to influence and impact us in a negative way. We must stay true to the true source of character development and that is the Word of God. Praise God. So let me remind you tonight of the need for godly character. I want you to notice there's a, a progression uh, of Scripture that teaches us the need for godly character. It, it allows us to realize our need for godly character. Let me begin tonight with Psalm 51 and verse 5. The psalmist said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Every one of us here tonight, everybody here tonight, uh, we all started on the common ground of inherited sin. 
We were born in it. Without a transformation of the sinful nature or without a transformation of sinful character, we're without hope. In Ezekiel 18 verse 20, the writer said, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Jesus said, and he went on to say, and notice when you're born in sin and you become aware with your conscience and so on, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Praise the Lord. I want to say here in passing, and I just felt a nudge in the Holy Ghost to say to to somebody here tonight that it doesn't matter how long you've lived, It doesn't matter how many times you've been close to God or not, how many times you've been in the church or not. Jesus said, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So anytime, anytime, no matter how long you've known God or not, no matter what you've been through or not, anytime you hunger and thirst after righteousness, there is a God that's setting on go, if you will, to fill you up. As the psalmist said, my cup runneth over. Hallelujah to God. Fill the Holy Ghost here tonight. Praise God. So to those who recognize their need of that transformation, God makes righteousness available to them. Titus said uh, in Titus chapter 2 verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace which saves us. Grace which saves us also becomes a teacher of those things which are of good character. The Word of God goes on to say in progression in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, Paul said, Wherefore come out from among them, And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. This separation from the world also uh, allows the process of sanctification to begin. Somebody said one time, sanctification is the process by which grace separates us from sin. Praise the Lord. Let's continue with the progression in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit the quest For good character will ever challenge you to be a better person today than you were yesterday. The quest for good character will ever challenge you to be a better person today than you were yesterday. Good character, when it becomes a part of your life, settles many issues that will never have to be struggled with again. And then finally tonight, in conclusion, Paul wrote again to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, he said, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 
the ultimate reward of good character is that point in time when God gives you an incorruptible body to a house and an incorruptible character. Praise the Lord. If you'll stand with me tonight, there's a story. There's a story told of a group of ladies that met for Bible study. And while studying in the book of Malachi, the third chapter, they came across verse 3, which says, He will sit, talking about God, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. This verse, when they read it, puzzled the ladies and they wondered how this statement applied to the character and the nature of God. And one of the women offered to find out more about the process of refining silver. And she promised to get back with the group at their next Bible study. So the following week, the woman called up a silversmith and made an appointment to watch him while he was working. She didn't mention anything about the reason for her interest beyond her curiosity about the process of refining silver. As she watched the silversmith work, he held a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up, and he explained that in refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were the hottest as to burn away the impurities. The woman thought about uh, God holding us in such a hot spot, literally. Then she thought again about the verse that he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. So she asked the silversmith if it were true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the entire time the silver was being refined. And the silversmith said, yes, I do. That not only did he have to sit there holding the silver, but he had to keep his eyes on it the entire time that it was in the fire. If the silver, he said, was left even a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was quiet for a moment, and then she asked the silversmith. She said, but how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her, and he said, well, that's easy when I can see my image in it. I want to say to all of us here tonight that no matter what life and society and education, family, all of those things bring our way. If you will truly, honestly, and sincerely put your life in the hands of God, He's going to run you through some very tough times. He will. I've never been a pie-in-the-sky preacher, man. Just believe in God and He'll give you the moon. I've never preached that way. Living for God is not a tiptoe through the tulips. It's not always easy. Your faith is going to be challenged. Your convictions are going to be challenged. But God allows that so that when we are tried, we will come forth as pure gold, the Bible says. And God tries us, and God develops His character and His nature in us. And we don't come out of the fire until He sees His image in us. Amen. I've often wondered... I think oftentimes about mercy. I think a lot about grace. I love to teach those subjects. I love to preach them. I love to study them. Seems like every time I study either one of those words, uh, if I hear somebody else teach or preach on it, I always learn something new. 
And uh, there's an angle, there's, there's a perspective on it that I would not thought of before. But uh, I've come to this conclusion. I just read in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul said that our bodies are going to be changed from corruptible to incorruptible and from mortal to immortal and so on. When the rapture takes place, there's going to be a, a huge change. Our bodies are going to change in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll all be changed. Peter said in his, or John said in his epistle, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But, but the beauty of grace and mercy as I believe God realized since humanity failed in the Garden of Eden, that no matter how much of the power of God is on the inside of us, no matter how much grace and mercy is bestowed upon us, because we're still human, we will never be totally and completely, absolutely perfect as though we were in a heavenly state. So grace and mercy sustains us while we're here. But at moment of rapture, when we're caught up to the other side, our bodies are changed, and we will truly at that time be in His image, in His likeness, after His goodness. What a great day that's going to be. So here's my point. My goal and my desire is to continue to develop as a Christian every single day so that at time of rapture or death, whichever comes first, there's only a minimal of change in me. Everybody say amen. Just a minimum change. Just very little change that I can go from here to heaven. And I tell you, I promise you guys, I have a long ways to go. I have a long ways to go. I think some of you do better at it than I do. But um, I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want to spend eternity with him. So I'm going to ask you folks to spend time praying. Spend some time fasting that you can truly be a manifestation of His image through character, not just a holiness lifestyle, not just by the way you dress and look, but through good character by the way you act, by what you manifest, by what you allow to influence you, and then what, how you allow yourself to influence someone else. Let's be better people tomorrow than we were today. Everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us all tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you humbly and sincerely. I have a long ways to go to be like the Lord. Praise God. I pray, God, that you would move and bless in this church tonight. God, I know that this community is full of people that profess Christianity. But I pray somehow, God, that you would enable this church God, that you would enable and empower this church to manifest a level of character, a level of godly character, praise God, that our light can truly shine, that we can truly be salt of the earth, that we can truly make the impact that we need to make in the lives of people, that we can influence the people we work with, the people we live with. God, the people uh, of our community, God, help us to influence good character, to be good people, to be people made in the image of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. I feel, I feel good here tonight. Praise God. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Walk around the building, smile, greet people, shake their hand, be nice.
And uh, we'll see you Sunday morning. God bless.